0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com.
1: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nuji Dean. Today is Thursday, December 8th. Coming up, how a plan to build more affordable housing has set off a fierce debate in a Kansas City suburb. But first, some headlines. Parents have pushed back against the independent school district for banning a book that includes a non-binary character from elementary school libraries. Now the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri is suing the district. The lawsuit seeks to stop a policy that automatically removes challenged books from the district's libraries. Gillian Wilcox of the ACLU says the policy violates students' First Amendment rights. If that
0: information becomes unavailable because one person, a parent, guardian or student, decides for any reason that they don't want that material in the school, those rights are being infringed upon.
1: A spokesperson for the Independence District says it stands behind its policy and will vigorously defend itself against the suit. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft was in D.C. yesterday at the U.S. Supreme Court, which was hearing a case considering how much power states should have over federal elections. Ashcroft had filed an amicus brief in support of North Carolina Republican lawmakers, arguing that courts should not have oversight over how congressional districts are drawn.
2: Where? Does it say that the elections clause covers redistricting? Where has that been argued? Where is that in the Constitution?
1: Opponents of the case say giving state legislatures more authority over redistricting could leave voters without checks and balances in cases of partisan gerrymandering. A decision from the Supreme Court is not expected until June. Some recreational marijuana use becomes legal in Missouri today, but not at the University of Missouri system. In an email, UM says marijuana use and possession will still not be allowed on university property or at university-sponsored activities. And that applies to people with a valid medical marijuana card as well. The school says it's still bound by federal drug laws that require the university system to discipline students and employees for having or using illegal drugs on campus. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. In Prairie Village, 95% of residents are white, and many people are spending more than 30% of their incomes on rent. In order to diversify the suburb, a committee recommended building more affordable housing in more zoning districts. But the plan has been met with an intense debate. Daniel Toreros is a Prairie Village resident who supports the recommendations, while Dan Shep is a member of a group that opposes them. They told KCUR's Steve Kraske why. Here's part of their conversation.
3: So Councilman Graves, why is this debate even happening? Why now?
4: It's been a long time coming in, in Prairie Village. When I was elected in 2019, we were looking at uh, a different kind of problem that was part of this same sort of trend, which is the teardowns in Prairie Village, where smaller single-family homes were being replaced with larger single-family homes. And property values were going up, and this was hurting people on the property tax side. Um, In response to this and um, our past city plan, our current city plan, we decided to take a closer look at how we might be able to develop alternatives to the large rebuilds we've been seeing and where we ended up starting instead of looking at subsidies or something along those lines was how could we help the market create different types of housing that's attainable to more people. And this, this ended up with us looking at zoning where we've arrived at now.
3: Why is it important to have uh, housing price points at different levels in a community like Prairie Village? Why do you care?
4: Well, in a, a community like Prairie Village is served by all kinds of people. Cities Cities run on the labor of police officers, firefighters, teachers, other public servants, the people who work in our shops.
3: And the concern is that those folks can't even afford to live in the towns where they work. Correct. Okay. And that's spurred this conversation. Mm-hmm. Dan Chef, does there need to be a debate over this from your standpoint? I mean, does Prairie Village have an issue when it comes to affordable housing
2: or a lack of diversity? Well, that's that's a very insightful question, Steve. There's a lot of data behind the initiative, and I'd like to color in a few blanks here. The mayor of Prairie Village sits on United Community Services, as does a city council member. United Community Services was the genesis for looking at affordability and attainability in, in the metropolitan area. Prairie Village wasn't identified as an area in which it was a dire need. It was not identified. It was not. Mm-hmm. It, it's a highly dense population, and it's also six square miles. So there's not a huge impact.
3: Does there need to be more affordable housing or not?
2: I, don't, I can't form an informed opinion on that because I would need to see more data. I think I'm here today to share the questions that I think the city would benefit its citizens by answering. And they're not gotcha questions. These are questions that people want to know the answer to. Fear makes the wolf appear bigger.
3: Do you have a sense, Danny, do residents broadly share these concerns
0: that there needs to be more affordable housing in Prairie Village? Do you have a feel for that? I think some of the success of what you would see with, you know, PV United with their stop signs, I think you could definitely attribute um, some of that from an economic anxiety of, oh, no, here comes a builder next door going to tear down another house and put up you know, a giant house is going to raise my property value. And it's I think you're seeing that push people towards feeling insecure. Um, and again, I, you know, I attribute a lot of that success. And you're referring to signs around
3: town you that see, are opposing any attempts to sort of create a multifamily
0: <laughs> housing in different uh, lots around town, correct. And I, I did just want to point out that uh, you know R one and R two zoning, like the the family housing, the single family homes, um, and then R two would be duplex. But R one and R two are both, according to the commission, off the table at this point. Is that correct, Councilman Grace?
4: Um, R R one is off the table for any kind of multi housing. Multi housing.
3: Translate that
4: for so, me. So that, that, that means mean, like uh, th- we're not looking at at putting duplexes in single family zones. We're not putting. Uh, we don't want to put um, anything bigger than. What's essentially traditionally known as single family scale housing, which would be a single house or a single house with an accessory dwelling unit, which is the one consideration that's really being um, held up for for single family zones.
3: So if that's the case, then, Councilman, how do you create more affordable housing in your community if that's the issue we're talking about today?
4: So there are other zones in Prairie Village other than single family. There's apartment zones and uh, condominium attached (coughs) to all housing, so like row housing. Um, some of the, the considerations up for those are allowing them to be rebuilt at, at more scale that could eventually provide more units at a more market rate attainable price.
3: And this is what your group is pushing for, right? Absolutely. Danny, do I have
0: that right? We'd love to see, you know, the planning commission in the city consider R1 and R2, the, the single family home units for, for – we'd like to see that considered in, in, in the recommendations and everything. But we definitely want more uh, affordable, inclusive, diverse housing options for everybody. And Dan, you oppose this idea, if I understand correctly?
2: The primary sticking point is R1, single family dwelling, changing zoning for that. The process has worked. The process has built- I'm hearing
3: R1's t- off the table. What am I missing here? Well,
2: it's it's not officially off the table. I'm glad Ian said that because we need hmm. to have that validated, communicated by the mayor and move on. Now, Danny has a different feeling on that, and I respect his opinion.
3: So, so your concern today though Dan Sheff is what? It's the R1 and ADUs. Okay. You're going to get lose me here real yes. quickly in all kinds of acronyms. Councilman Give me an unbiased explanation of what we're talking about here. What's what's the issue over R one? I thought you just said R one's off the table.
4: So one of the one of the principal concerns when this all started was that single family zoning in Prairie Village would be subjected to um, more intensive infill with apartment buildings, duplexes, triplexes, all of that. But again, you said that's not happening. That's not happening. Um, on the table for consideration by the planning commission, which they could decide not to move forward with, is accessory dwelling units in R1. And what does that mean? That means that would be like a, uh, you a know, second f- house, a second house, a second house, they generally behind call the them like a, a, a tiny house, a granny flat. You, you know, you build them. Prairie Village allows some of them already attached to housing. Um, but um, we're looking at allowing people to either have non-related people live, live in an ADU and it and seeing if it could be detached we already allow accessory structures you just can't live in them. So this is what we're looking at in R1. The other consideration is possible, re- possibly reducing lot sizes in some districts. Uh, the lot size minimums are currently at 6,000 and 10,000 square feet. We're looking at potentially lower. So a lot split could develop a smaller home at a lower price point than what we're seeing.
3: Dan Schiff, react to that. Uh, that. How dramatic of a change is that? Can you support it or not?
2: Well, it needs to be defined first. Secondly, the ad hoc committee sent it to city council. City council sent it to the planning commission. The planning commission, the longest standing member of the planning commission, Nancy Wallerstein, said, I'm unclear on what issue we're looking at to resolve here. So there's a lot of Maybe it's the telephone tag game. There's a lot of miscommunication or disinformation. The plan hasn't been finalized and formalized, and we're told to wait until it is, but it was sent to the planning commission for implementation. Words matter. That word was specifically put in the minutes sent to the Planning Commission for Implementation with the intent, it's a done deal.
3: Okay. And, and you're saying that you oppose this or you want it to slow down? Or where, where, is, where are you and your group on this issue?
2: Remove R1 officially from any consideration. That's the single family. This is nerdy zoning stuff. Yeah. You're living a life when you get to learn this stuff. Yeah. R1 zoning from it, <laughs> right? Remove that. And remove ADUs. So, how do you get more affordable
3: housing in Prairie Village under under a Dan Chef proposal?
2: Rehab existing housing stock. Provide grants for those individuals that need to do it. Secondly, offer grants to areas in which there are multifamily units already, and offer incentives for that landlord or developer to discount rents for a proportion of the population.
3: Okay, but your proposal, your your view of all this, Danny, is you'd like to see Prairie Village open up a little bit more than it is right now in terms of making it more affordable. What do you want to see
0: happen? So what I would say and what PV for all now, you know, we want R1, R2, we want all of those things to change. We do want it to be more open, but we also understand that maybe people aren't going to be as amenable to that as other things. And one of the things we'd really like to push for right now, especially in these zoning things, is R3, R4. We'd like to see, you know, more development of of apartment complexes. You know, we'd like to see some – that Macy's building is sitting there empty. Nothing is happening at that Macy's building. There's plenty of parking at the Macy's building. It would bring so many people to the shops at the Village – Prairie Village is already so walkable. What a wonderful time to improve your housing stock, make a statement that you are inclusive, you are for affordable housing, and you are for diverse housing stock, and, and use it with existing infrastructure. That's a win-win for us.
3: Well, a lot of our listeners can relate to what you're talking about. They know where the Macy's building is. Is it possible to transform that into a multifamily housing under existing laws
4: in Prairie Village, Councilman? I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm doubtful without uh, rezoning. Also, you know, this is a privately owned piece of property and the company that owns it would obviously want to have do this. Say. Yeah, they would They would have an opinion about this. So, um, you know, nothing's impossible through the discretionary review process where somebody comes to the planning commission and asks for a property to be rezoned or have a special use. You know, we want to put apartments in this space where it's not zoned for it. We would like special permission. Nothing's impossible, but nothing's really on the table as far as I'm aware of for that property in this respect.
3: You know, Danny, well, maybe one question here for some context. How did Prairie Village get into this situation of lacking diversity in the community, 95 percent white, a lack of affordable housing. I think it dates back to a guy named J.C. Nichols. Nichols. But, yeah. But help yeah, me no, here a little bit. I mean, bit.
0: that's that's basically it. Right. I mean, there was J.C. Nichols basically built Prairie Village and they built a bunch of covenants that said who could and couldn't own. And, you know, it's 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 got a long history. Um, in, I mean, in a sense, Prairie Village is responding to that today. Is responding to that today. It's it, And it's not it's not that you need to feel bad or you need to feel guilty or we need to do we what we need to do as Americans, as Prairie prairie Villians, villages, (laughs) citizens of Prairie Village, uh, what we need to do is uh, we don't even, I wouldn't even say atone. I think the answer is we need to move forward. We need to bring everybody up on the same playing field because that's what America's all about. Mm. And by providing affordable housing, we can hope to diversify not only our housing stock, but our community. And I think that is definitely a positive.
1: You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at KCUR.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.